Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org. on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, co-hosting with Sarah Whitmire. Today, we're talking about the local economy, COVID-19, the holiday season, nonprofits, and we're pre-recording the show, so you can't send in your questions. So we have two guests with us to start the show. Efrat Pfefferman is the United Way Monroe County Executive Director, and Jeff Meese is co-founder and CEO of Lenny's The Hive, Pizza X, and One World Enterprises. We hope to be joined before the uh, show is over by Erin Predmore, who's with the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. She's the president and CEO. Efrat, Jeff, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. I want to start with Jeff because, Jeff, we're, we're in a really difficult period of time for local business. That's one of the things we want to talk about today. You have, uh, you know, as, as I just read, you are affiliated with several local businesses. So what's it been like to try to, to navigate this world uh, with COVID-19? Well, what's it been like? Uh, um, intense, I'd say. Um, uh, things you've never, just dealing with sort of issues that you've never, uh, it sounds trite to say, but I mean, uh, we've all been dealing with issues we've never dealt with before. Uh, but I think uh, for those of us in food service, um, uh, food service and venue management, I don't want to discount the people. There are a lot of people who have it bad besides those of us in food service, though I feel like we get most of the attention. But, you know, people who are in arts arts production and things like this just decimated. Uh, so you start to deal with things like you never considered before, like, are we going to stop paying our rent? You know, I mean, that's what, that's, that's to the point that uh, I would say a huge number of food service uh, employers are dealing with, you know, right now. Uh, are we going to stay open and are we just going to tell our landlord, I'm sorry, we take our, we take our commitments seriously. We always have, but it comes a time when you can only do what you can do. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll follow up on a lot of those points. Uh, Sarah and I will both follow up on a lot of those points. I wanted to ask a fraught, you know, from the nonprofit standpoint, how, you know, how, how bad is it in the nonprofit world? I guess that's not a very delicate way to put it, but. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, remembering that um, the nonprofits, especially the ones United Way works with, are um, there to support some of our more vulnerable, you know, community members. So it, it wasn't an easy job to begin with. And then uh, with COVID, it, it's definitely been um, a challenge, like for every other sector. Um, there was there was data um, earlier on in the pandemic that 70% of nonprofits uh, curbed their programming, uh, more limited, you know, services. Um, about that, we went to uh, offering things online, digital services. About 60% had to suspend or end programs. So um, that's a challenge not only for the, the nonprofits and the people who work for them, uh, but also you know, for the people that rely on their services. And while there has been um, there has been more support from federal and state um, government for emergency services for you know the, the basic needs like shelter and food. Um, the demand is just so much higher than, than it has been that um, even, you know, that extra 
support um, is not enough. It's not enough. Um, United Way, you know, we we raised 1.6 million in our COVID relief fund. Uh, this week is the announcement of phase four, so the final phase of giving those grants out to local nonprofits. And uh, we've done some good things with that, and and um, very proud of all of that. It's it's kind of what United Way is built for to respond to such needs in the community. But um, you know, when we set out to to do that relief fund, we were looking at um, a much shorter time period, right? Uh, we thought we'd have a 30, 60, 90, and 180 day uh, benchmark, and then sort of be moving on to the the recovery phase. And we're still very much in the relief phase. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that. I mean, you know, you're in phase phase four, you're going into phase four of of giving out um, some of the grants and relief. But uh, even though we have some good news on the horizon, I mean, the the vaccines and and uh, whatnot, it's going to be a while before we get anything that even approaches normalcy. So, so what's going to be next for right. United Way? Right. So transitioning to the, the longer term picture um, while still trying to meet the immediate needs. And, uh, and we are doing both of those things um, because, you know, on, on one hand, um, I'm, I'm talking about how tough it's been, but it's, it's also just been amazing to see our community and the nonprofits um, just be so creative um, and innovative in how they are responding to needs um, and and how they've adapted their services. And, you know, we really want to keep building on that because, um, like I said, even even before COVID, things were really tough for a lot of people in our community. Um, I'd say about half of our community um, was struggling either you know, the one in five families, households in, in poverty, um, and then one in three on top of that, that kind of hover right above that, um, working, you know, but, but just not getting ahead, not being able to save for emergencies. That was half of our community before COVID. We know it's going to be up even more than that um, as we try to recover and stabilize. So, you know, rather than trying to restore things and go back to normal, we're, we're looking to build a better normal for our community and, and taking those lessons that we've learned along the way in recent months about adapting things and meeting people where they are with their, with their needs and just continuing to focus on that. Uh, before I turn back to Jeff, could you give me an example of something that, that uh, United Way or a particular agency has done that you think is particularly creative and that is meeting people, you know, where they are? Absolutely. Um, I think a great one is uh, in the field of mental health services. Um, one of our partners is Catholic Charities Bloomington, and um, they serve uh, people on a sliding scale with mental health services. Uh, they were serving about a thousand uh, clients a year prior to COVID in their location and in the Crestmont community. Um, a lot of uh, work with children who've experienced trauma. Um, and so, of course, you know, March comes around, that all shuts down, but Catholic Charities quickly assessed uh, their potential for um, transitioning those services to a virtual environment. And they applied for some grants from us to, to buy the technology, to buy laptops for their therapists, to buy the, you know, the Zoom licenses and all that. They weren't sure if people would continue to use the, the services in, in, in that way, because uh, not, not everyone has the technology, the Wi-Fi to, you know, to, to do that. Um, but what they found is that it actually, um, the, the clients were really happy with it. Um, someone who maybe was working and prior to all this would have had to figure out, you know, childcare, had to get to the place for their appointment, uh, work that into a busy schedule, can now go step out on their lunch break and get on their phone um, and, and take that half an hour, an hour appointment, um, you know, from, from a break room or their car uh, without having to do all those other steps. Um, and they've served um, an additional 400 people through the pandemic, 
um, without any in-person visits so far. And they also um, recognize that nonprofit staff in our community are, are facing, um, you know, these, these challenges of being the, the care providers of, of absorbing all of that while they're on the ground. So they, um, another grant they received from us, they offered um, $5 visits to any nonprofit staff in town. And we've seen some people take advantage of that. So uh, that's, I think that's a great example. And it's, it's a need that, uh, that has been growing, um, will continue to grow, especially now and, and post this pandemic. So um, I, just a, a great example of, of that, you know, innovation that happened quickly um, because it was needed, but then actually, you know, proved to, to be a helpful model that, that may continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, that's a great example. And yes, mental health issues are going to be with us for, for quite a while. Um, Jeff Meese, I think, um, you know, Efrat just, uh, just talked about some creativity. I think sometimes I think innovation is your middle name. Um, what kinds of creative things have you done? And I know there have been several to try to, um, you know, to try to help out either, you know, your own, your own staff, your own team, the restaurant, the local, local restaurant scene, um, your customers, you know. Yeah, I know Efrat well, and I just want to commend her and United Way for all the work. It's, it's like she said, you know, there's so many people that pre-COVID are struggling and so the caseload for all these groups just just gets stacked up and the workload obviously for the limited number of people who are working in those areas totally appreciate that innovation well for re for the people who you know are employed in our organization and other other food service it's super challenging particularly the people who work for tips because that whole thing is way, you know, because sales are down and tips pretty much move for with sales. Although the people who have been dining out and buying, continuing to buy food, and there's a strong contingent in Bloomington of people who are just, they get it. They're, they're just going, bending over backwards to try to support local, not just restaurants, but the local economy. People really understand. And so they tip well. And so there's a lot of pockets of joy to, to be found. In general, it's very tough for staff because they maybe aren't, they don't get the hours that they want. Everybody, my sense is that everybody's just tired. The, the uncertainty business, of course, just hates uncertainty. I was talking about before we started recording just the challenges and why restaurants have had the shrink their menus so much because we don't know how much sales we're doing today or this week. We noticed at Lenny's particularly at Lenny's and Hive that the bottom just dropped out once the weather shifted about two, three weeks ago. And that was the case for all the downtown restaurants. I make it a point to wander around on foot once a week or so and just to uh, see, and you could just see where we had Lenny's, for example, had been doing in sales, a little bit less than half of our normal when outside dining was strong. Now we've dropped down to maybe 25 or 30% of normal. And I'm hearing the same thing from, uh, from places around town, generally, not everybody, but there's uh, the fact that some of the larger student bars are now closed compared to last year. That's helped a few places that are able to sort of tie into that sort of late night party group. Uh, but, but generally, for the restaurants themselves to try to operate on 25% of sales or so is just, it's a, uh, it's a matter of uh, tremendous bleed on capital. Sarah Whitmire is with us. I, I want to bring Sarah in. I um, Jeff, I, I know some restaurants, at least early on, not necessarily in Bloomington, but around the country were called super spreaders, people inside in areas which we know you can uh, more easily get the virus, not wearing masks. I'm curious, you know, you have three restaurants here. What have you been doing inside your restaurants to keep people safe? Hmm. Well, you, uh, 
from early on, there have been a lot of, you know, uh, there's been a lot of coordination between uh, state health organizations and restaurant associations. And basically the three key, wash your hands, safe distance and masks. We've been very supportive of all that from the from the very beginning, although obviously people can't eat with a mask on. So you've got that. That's some, you know, I people are just there's obviously higher risk when people are gathering together um, there. More recently, um, uh, there's been availability and some funding as well to work on HVAC systems. Uh, some UV light and um, uh, ionization that we have on order both for Woolery and for Lenny's. Uh, however, there's a backlog of that stuff. So as soon as that comes in, we'll be installing uh, basically in, in the air handlers, you can put UV light. People, you can't have UV light on your skin because uh, it's cancerous, but you can put it in, in the furnace systems. Uh, so I think that's gonna be a, a positive thing. That'll kill virus and bacteria. Um, yeah, you know, in the case of our catering business, now catering's kind of a horse of a different color because, you know, as the caterer, you're, you're basically the hired gun for a party somebody else is putting together. So it's been, we've had situations where venues, now we have a venue, a catering venue, and we've been very strong in enforcing, um, enforcing mask rules and distance rules, distance as much as you can at a wedding. But some venues we go to uh, are not, uh, uh, they're not willing to, uh, uh, to do that. And that's been a real, Con, that's created a lot of consternation. Um, you know, our, our staff obviously are concerned. You're working an event. I will say that, you know, we have not had a single positive case at Lenny's or at Pizza X. We had one at Hive in February, uh, and we had two early on at One World Catering, but we employ about almost 300 people. Uh, so, uh, Somehow, by luck, you know, I knock on wood, uh, but our staff have been doing a great job and they're that nobody has so far that we know of uh, picked up anything from each, either each other or a guest. Jeff, let me follow up on that. Um, the pizza delivery business. So Pizza X, I know you sent a note out on social media about how many pizzas you've delivered since this started without a positive test. Can you talk about that a little bit? Our business at Pizza X has been really strong, and that kept the whole rest of our company afloat. And I certainly recognize, you know, that gives us such a blessing compared to so many other single-unit restaurants in town that are just, they don't have that. Uh, but, yeah, we've, you know, we're, our sales are up generally about 20% compared to last year. And Pizza X has always been strong in the local community. Uh uh, and we've yet to have anybody, we've yet to have anybody test positive. Um, now what I don't know is how many people are getting tests. You know, I, we don't tell people to get tested or force any testing, but it just, if somebody, I'm sure you know the rules as well as I do. If somebody tests positive as an employee, then we quickly have to ascertain how, who has been a close contact with that employee and then quarantine everybody. So what we've been also trying to do within our operations is with those rules in mind, really, uh, really look at the operations and say, look, everybody, stay separate. You know, who, uh, who are you being in close contact with tonight? Do you need to be? Uh, do you need to be? And we've, we've basically made a rule at Pizza X that if you're a delivery person, there's no reason you really need to be ever six feet uh, from in more than six feet closer to another delivery person or an inside person. So if we're really aware of that, it can help us cut down on spread. There are places in our operations, especially when we're busy, like people making pizza and, and on the phones, 
they can't stay six feet apart. There's just no way. So there's some places where it's just, it won't be possible to actually get the work done. I'm sure it's that way in a lot of places, but we try to be really conscientious about masks and hand washing in those situations. All right, that's Jeff Meese. He's co-founder and CEO of Lenny's, The Hive, Pizza X, and One World Enterprises. And we're also talking today with Efrat Pfefferman, United Way of Monroe County's Executive Director. Sarah Whitmire is here with me, Bob Salzberg, and we're pre-recording the show for Thanksgiving weekend, talking with talking about local business and the nonprofit. So you, you can't give us a call today. One question I have for Efrat is about the importance generally of the holiday season when it comes to nonprofits. I would think they would do a good portion of their fundraising during the holiday season. Yeah, that's a great, a great question, Bob. Um, this is a time of year when typically you would see a lot of fundraising events. For some organizations, this is um, a time of year when they really pick up a lot of revenue. And a lot of those have been canceled. The New Hope for Families did, did do their Christmas tree auction and sort of a, a different model um, and it was done safely and I, I think it was fairly successful, but a lot have been canceled. So that's just been the case for the last nine months or so, which is kind of part of the, the, the challenge of meeting demand while not being able to, to raise the funds that uh, you might be able to otherwise so again, that's where we're glad that we could raise some money um, and support some of these things. It's, it's certainly not going to be enough for organizations for the year to come and the, the funds that they might have been relying on around this time of year. I anticipate that you'll continue to see some innovative approaches from individual organizations trying to to raise money and you know they're they're turning to their core supporters of course with the asks but may also see some more unique approaches to to fundraising out there and i think a lot of of the funders not just united way but all the funders in the community have stepped up to try to compensate for all this uh, unity foundation the bloomington health foundation the city the county all found some extra dollars and have been giving those out alongside us and, and our efforts. Um, but it, it's, it's also a time of year at nonprofits where they want to make the holidays brighter for their clients, whether they're serving families and kids or um, older adults or individuals with disabilities. You know, they're, they're trying to do what they can even in a, a time where maybe the, you know, the, the party, the, the tradition can't go on as it had, um, looking at what they can do to, to make people's lives just a little happier and brighter for the moment. Yeah, I have a couple follow-ups to that. I mean, one is what kind of a hole does the lack of, uh, of like the big fundraising event of the year what kind of a hole does that make in the, in the overall budget for a nonprofit? It's kind of a case by case, but there's definitely somewhere that one big event might've been 30% of their revenue. So if that doesn't happen, or maybe it's modified and it's only bringing in a, a fraction of what it would otherwise, uh, that's a big hit. That's a big hit. And that's, that means they have to now spend a lot of extra time um, looking for the, the dollars elsewhere, either, you know, grant writing or um, soliciting donors a different way or scaling back services or reconfiguring services. And, and we have seen a couple that have had to, uh, to scale things down um, and kind of even hibernate a little bit um, and, and hope that, you know, that they can come out of this. Yeah, my other follow-up has to do with, you know, you and I have had conversations about this before, and, and I've had them with other people in nonprofits. And sometimes, you know, we get talking about uh, fundraising, and it becomes a little bit kind of antiseptic. You know, we're talking about, you know, a trans, it sounds transactional. You know, I'm going to give you, you, United Way, this kind of money. But the funds are going towards services for individuals in the community. So if you could break that down to like, you know, what's a, a $50 donation mean to, 
to somebody at United Way. I can tell you off the bat, $50 buys 25 meals. That's, you know, that's a, an easy one. It also um, is, I'm trying to think how many nights of shelter, but it's a few nights at a shelter as well. Um, these are real tangible things that, you know, add up when we all um, are able to, to be generous with what we have because these organizations can do, do some things in bulk. So when we talk about a $2 meal, it's because they are producing, you know, thousands of them um, and, and taking advantage of, of maybe, um, you know, some governmental buying programs and things like that. Um, and same goes for shelter. Uh, the, the, the capital costs are already, um, you know, fixed for the most part. So um, those, those operating costs, um, the more, you know, the more they can raise, the more people they can serve um, and, and feed and shelter and clothe and um, coordinate case management for and, and so forth and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, there's also been still a lot of need in um, the nonprofits, uh, the social service ones, especially for um, for equipment, uh, PPE and um, other needed equipment. Our, our phase four grants did see some of that. Um, the health net uh, health clinic, which used to be volunteers in medicine, um, applied for a $10,000 COVID screener uh, that they'll have at the entrance of their facility for those coming in for free or sliding scale healthcare. So, that's a one-time, you know, investment that's going to go a long way towards keeping them um, all safe and, and healthier. And uh, we saw some requests like that from um, the Shalom Center that's now um, under Beacon Inc. Um, they've, you know, they've had to really attend to uh, the, the hygiene and sanitation needs of, um, of those facilities and uh, so again, the, those are things that uh, might be 5,000, 10,000, um, but, but a one-time one expense that, uh, you know, if we, if we can make that happen, um, we should feel good about reducing the, the transmission and keeping everyone safe, both the staff volunteers and the, the clients of, of organizations. Jeff, I'm, I'm curious, um, what sort of regulations do restaurants in Monroe County have to follow right now? Because I know um, the county is, has been more strict than the state kind of throughout the whole pandemic. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, uh, currently, in, currently in food service, um, there's not a there's not a definition of capacity, uh, or a or a restriction based on capacity. At least as I understand it, what what everybody is dealing with is basically diners uh, separated by at least six feet, um, uh, and a limit on table, a limit on the number of people at a table, which I think recently got dropped to six. I'm probably a little less up to the minute on this than my people. I don't want you to think we don't know. It's just that I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I think it got dropped from 10 to 10 to six. Um, uh, yeah, there was, um, the, so that's, yeah, that's what restaurants are sort of dealing with on an inside on, on a dine-in basis. But I think, <clears throat> I think largely uh, the market is just, uh, it's, I'm, uh, uh, you know, people, people understand the risk. And so, although, you know, young people, uh, young people are out more, our kind of cl clientele that's, uh, that comes to our restaurant, they're, uh, they're just kind of self-regulating, if you will, you know, they're, uh, uh, sort of staying away. Our carry out businesses jumped dramatically at Lenny's and at Hive. Uh, so yeah, if that answers that. All right. Yeah, um, I'm gonna follow up with something that you asked earlier on um, uh, that a lot of businesses were doing about a quarter percent of their sales. Um, 
I, I just from from your own perspective and maybe from other folks in the industry you've spoken to, how many think that they can survive, you know, like through the winter or something like that? That, you know, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh I think uh I think it's very difficult to survive at at that level. Um so, you know, the PPP stuff was a godsend, really a godsend, um, you know, but that was back when we thought this was going to last a couple months, or that was sort of the idea, you know, PPP was kind of all based on this two month, uh, two to four month that it extended unemployment longer than wider than that. But yeah, there's just no, there's no good answer to that. You know, people, um, uh, you, when you operate at that level of sales, it's just, you know, everything's, everything's bleeding. So you, if you can't make enough, if you can't cover, if there's no surplus in funds after you've paid your labor and your food, those are of course the two biggest costs in the food service business, labor usually being a little higher than food, uh, if there's no surplus from there, uh, then you're better off being closed. But if you're closed, um, um, you know you still have the overhead loans to pay, uh, loans to pay, landlords to pay, utilities to keep the you know keep the heat on, these kind of things. So it's gonna be. Uh, I've got a friend. At, you know, Bloomington is arguably in better situation than say like. So in the big cities in New York, you know, and what, I'm surprised we don't read more of that, but I have friends in the business in New York. And, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm being told is that just, just restaurants are open and nobody's paying rent. Uh, uh, there's just no money to pay rent, but there's an eviction moratorium. Uh, so people are trying to stay open and, you know, operate and, and get a little cash. And then, um, but once an eviction moratorium, you know, kicks in, then it'll be just a bloodbath. Uh, so, and not paying the rent means that small, small, small landlords can't pay their loans. So it's, uh, you know, there's no villain. Um, it's just a huge, you know, huge problems caused by a lack of flow of money. It's Jeff Meese, co-owner or co-founder and CEO of Lenny's, The Hive, Pizza X, and One World Enterprises. We've also had Efrat Pfefferman on with us. She's the executive director of United Way of Monroe County. We're talking about some of the issues facing small business and facing uh, the nonprofits as we head into the holiday season. We're pre-recording this show to be played on the Friday, uh, Friday at noon after Thanksgiving. But we're now being uh, joined as well by Aaron Predmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. Aaron is president and CEO. And Aaron, uh, thanks for joining us. I know um, you are, you, you, you've had your role with United Way now, or with, I'm sorry, with Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce overseeing the business community. But before that, you were very active as a director and the nonprofit community. So um, if you could talk a little bit about uh, A, what's happening with the, uh, the local business scene and B, you know, how do these two areas, nonprofits and local business, you know, overlap and why is the success of one important to the success of the other? And Aaron, I think you're muted. There you go. Hmm, not hearing you, Aaron. Are you able to hear me yeah. now, Bob? There we All go. Right. Yeah, Great. Um, it's an interesting interplay that uh, exists between the business and nonprofit sector, as you just referred to. And, you know, we're seeing it's a lot of what Jeff was just referring to about the just flow of cash around the community between, I mean, so many of our small businesses 
you know, for example, donate to nonprofits and, and you know, are the ones um, giving gift certificates for their silent auctions or um, helping out in other ways if somebody needs food or something special for an event or um, maybe their clients need something. I mean, there's just this interplay of um, cooperation between both um, both sectors, both small business and, and nonprofits. And, and I would say that the pandemic is just really, I mean, just in our, our survey of our members, um, a lot of it, a lot of their strength and their confidence right now uh, depends on their, um, the cash on hand that they have. And that's, that doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit or a small business. Um, it just a lot of it, so much of that cash flow has decreased that, um, you know, if you have an 80% drop in, in revenue, then, you know, if, if you only have a few months of cash on hand, then that's not going to take you very long to, you know, have to close your doors. And so we really have seen that, um, that struggle, the PP, P loans have been great. Emergency loans have come really into play as well. And so what we're seeing now as this drags on is, is that the question of what, what happens next for these small businesses and nonprofits and can they hold on a little longer? Is the federal government going to come through with another stimulus package? Um, so a lot of that obviously is still outstanding that we're, we're still, we're obviously, we're actively advocating for that uh, with our, our delegation in, in DC to, to make sure that they hear the stories about, about what's happening locally here in Bloomington. So what's, what are your, what's your forecast for this holiday season for local businesses? And, and can you talk a little bit about how the retailers uh, locally, you know, what, what percentage of their um, annual revenues usually comes from this holiday season? Well, I would say that my, my forecast, it, it's going to be lower than I think in years past. And a lot of that's because um, with IU finishing up early, we just don't have those students here, uh, which would drive some of that, um, you know, half of our population is, well, they could be going home. <laughs> um, I fear that some will be still around, but, um, but that's going to be a dip. So we're just dropping in population. Um, I do think that there's a concerted effort for people that live here locally to shop locally. This holiday season, we've been hearing a lot of that. Um, and I know that, you know, we came out with a holiday gift guide and so did DBI and uh, bricks and mortar did it as well. And so there's a lot of, um, a lot of resources around if people want to brainstorm or, or learn about a new store or maybe some new items that are for sale. Um, if there's, if they've got a particular person they're shopping for. So we, we are hopeful that this will be, um, a sufficient season for our local retailers to be able to maintain um, their their stores and, and retail establishments as they've had them, and that they can maybe make a little bit of inroads into the, the deficits that they've had so far this year. You mentioned DBI, that's Downtown Business Inc., right? Yes, okay. Downtown Bloomington Inc. Downtown, downtown Bloomington Inc., yeah, sorry about that. Um, Jeff Afrat, Kind of the same question to you, and Jeff, I'll start with you about, I know you've been a champion for, for local business and shopping locally. I mean, the, I don't think we can ever say it enough on what the, the small local retailers mean to um, you know, the overall local community. Indeed, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so much of the, so much of the dollar uh, uh, when you're spending a dollar at a, um, well, obviously on Amazon, but uh, if you're spending a dollar at uh, at a, an out-of-town owned business, then that much more than money is just flying right out of town. So that's always been a, something that I believe strongly in. Uh, we can, uh, when we find our ways to support good stuff that's local, we just make, uh, we make more of it. Afrat, same question to you about this uh, overlap between the nonprofits and the local businesses. Yeah, and I, I think uh, both both Aaron and Jeff made some great points. And I also just wanted to give them both a shout out. Um, Jeff, early on in, uh, you know, when, when things shut down, you, you did what you could to take care of your employees. Um, I remember doing some cleaning, you know, sites and days and, um, it was it was just tremendous because that's you know one one small example of how um, perhaps if, if you hadn't have done that the nonprofits would have seen folks more and you know demand um, for for food and, and other things um, would have been that much greater but uh, you know you did 
did a really good thing for your employees uh, when they couldn't make those tips um, as they were otherwise and make that income. Um, and in general, just, just a very community-minded um, business owner. We appreciate Thank that. you. Well, and, and Efrat, let me add to that too. The other thing that Jeff did by that action was he helped other business owners that were locally doing okay to think creatively about how they could help. And so you were one of the very first ones, Jeff, you and Lenny really jumped on that and everybody went, wait, they're responding. What else could we do? Um, and that really added to the sense of community. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And then, you know, Aaron, stepping up to, you know, to just provide provide resources, connect businesses with resources, connect business and, and that sector with the rest of the community like we've been doing through our, our coalition that, that meets every other week um, and and just really stepping up in, in so many ways. It's, it's just been amazing to have you um, there during this time. So I, I really wanted to give that shout out. Um, and yeah, the, our, our sectors are intertwined and there, there are these dynamics where when, you know, when the business um, sector may be struggling, the nonprofit world is gonna feel that impact. Uh, but when the business sector is strong, the nonprofit world is gonna benefit from the, you know, the, the extra generosity. Um, so we're kind of in a tough time because both, both are struggling in different ways. Um, but, but still, um, like Jeff, how you said earlier, moments of joy or pockets of joy, I think you said. And, and I try to focus on that because we really have seen so many um, wonderful things, um, collabor collaborations between the, the two sectors and, and, and others too, you know, government and institutions. We've, we've all been at the table together for, for the, all these months, even more than usual. Um, and, and thinking creatively and, and tackling things creatively. All right, we have about 10 minutes to go in the program today. And uh, we are talking about the local business community and we're talking about uh, the nonprofit community and some of the ways that uh, they're struggling during COVID. It's Thanksgiving holiday weekend and we're pre-recording this show so you can't send us or, or call us in with your questions. We have Aaron Predmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, Efrat Pfefferman from United Way of Monroe County, and Jeff Meese, co-founder and CEO of Lenny's The Hive Pizza X and One World Enterprises. And also joining me today is Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and Sarah has a question. I thought Efrat just did an amazing job talking about how all of these different sectors are connected. Aaron, I was wondering if you could just follow up on that because that really does just seem to spell this perfect storm. It's like, how does one help the other when everyone is struggling? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And I think we've we've struggled with that question through the pandemic. Um, I mean, Efrat mentioned the uh, Monroe County uh, coalition that we have the COVID-19 coalition that meets every couple of weeks. And and we've dealt with that question of, of how do we update each other? How do we keep the flow of information so that we don't miss opportunities to both aid each other, but also to just stay informed so that everyone can be nimble and adjust on the fly, which I think is is one of the things that our community has done an amazing job amazing job of is uh, is really making sure that we're listening to each other and and being aware of um, of those patterns of action within the different sectors. So I would say that's how that's where we start is um, when one's struggling, one group or all groups are struggling, just making sure that we can align as much as we possibly can. I mean, you know, great example is IU um, here in town has, has done an amazing job with its testing program for students, which has impacted both the nonprofit sector because um, you know, there'll, there'll be more students available maybe to volunteer to take take places of elderly individuals that, that aren't able to do it right now during the pandemic. Uh, but it's also impacted the, the economic picture in our community because it's allowed things to stay open. Um, and so they, you know, we've heard about that testing program, you know, starting in the summer all the way through, you know, just got an update on Tuesday. And the efforts that they've taken in our community to make sure that, that they can, you know, maintain 
their status is such a great partner for us, make sure that they kind of do no harm or, or, you know, ameliorate the harm that they, they may expose the rest of the community to, um, I think is a great example of, of the rest of us needing to have that information, but then also being able to be nimble and adjust accordingly, depending on, on the efforts that they were putting forward on the campus. So, I mean, that's just one example, but, but it really has helped us as a community to keep the doors open both for our school systems, you know, they're intertwined, our, our government functions as well. Um, and then to do is to make the, as, as many inroads as we possibly could, both economically for small businesses, but also for nonprofits so that we're able to, to continue to support those, those big efforts that they're making too. Then how important is some sort of federal relief in this just since everyone on the local level at least is really strained? I think it's critical. I can't, I've been extremely frustrated with the lack of response from Washington um, and their inability to overcome whatever issues that they may have from different perspectives and different sides. Because as I'm hearing from our members and I'm seeing individual businesses close or struggle or layoff or furlough, um, you know, it, it just seems, <laughs> you know, when you've got somebody hurting in front of you, you don't really care what people are arguing about in DC. You just want them to get over it. Um, so it's, I think it's critical for them to, to figure this out as soon as we can. Uh, maybe that perhaps they'll have more progress uh, with the new administration. Uh, because if they don't do something, I worry that the everybody's been holding on right now. Um, I think two things may happen if they don't do something. One, we'll just see, you know, Jeff used the word bloodbath a little bit ago. And I think that that's what I, I'm concerned about. There'll be a huge... Um, kind of rebound effect in a negative way. All those ones that have held on will just uh, not be able to do it anymore. But I also see that, um, oh, I did say there were two things. Where, that was going to be the first one. And then the other thing I see um, is if they don't do something that will both have a huge, it'll take us much longer to recover. Um, so even those ones that are able to hold on in our um, economic forecasting and that sort of stuff, the things I've been looking at, essentially saying that we've lost a year or two, right, of economic, in order for us to recover, it'll take us another couple of years to get back to where we were in 2019. I worry that that will be even longer if the economic stimulus doesn't come through from the federal government, that it will be an impact of three or four years, maybe five. I mean, just depending on how long or, or if it ever happens. We only have a few minutes to go, and I, I want to use the last few minutes to talk about um, the help that is available in the community and what kind of help people can provide during the holiday season. I want to start with Efrat about, you know, if people are struggling now, are there places that they can look and go to try to get some help to, to help get them through this holiday season? Yes, there, there are. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to cover the um, basic couple of categories. Um, rent, mortgage utilities assistance um we had the moratorium it was lifted uh the state did roll out some extra funding um so both new hope for families and um beacon or shalom as as we previously knew it um received some grants to provide extra support to people with um bills that they may be falling behind on um, same goes, there, there's several other agencies too, including um, MACM and SCAP. And so the way to um, connect with the right one or, or, or just to find the help you need, I, I would recommend either calling 211, uh, um, um, which is a week, a live person uh, will talk to you about um, your need and, and where you can go for help. Um, or there's a website called helpingbloomingtonmonroe.org uh, that you can search uh, yourself and, and, and find these services in our town, um, in our region even. Um, and then there's, there's several um, organizations that provide food uh, right now. And, and most of them, they're not, it's, they're not asking a lot of questions. We're not looking for paperwork right now. We just want to make sure that people have the food um, that they need so that, you know, if, if they are tied on money, spend that on the, spend that on the rent right now. If, if you can't get help for rent, don't get, you know, don't put yourself in a position where your housing is compromised. There is food available in our community from many organizations. Um, 
pantry 279, handing out boxes, uh, community kitchen, doing warm meals, um, our Hoosier Hills Food Bank uh, supplies the entire region and, and is up, oh gosh, well over a million pounds in distribution from where they were this time last year. Um, so there, there is help available. There's mental health counseling, as I mentioned, er, mentioned earlier, available um, on a, a free or subsidized scale. Same with healthcare. So um, call two one one. Tell them you know what you're struggling with and get connected. Call me at United Way. I'm I always um, you know will take a call or any of my staff will and try to. To work with you on on a unique situation as well okay thanks um we have about uh, a minute to go so jeff and aaron about 30 seconds each what if the, there are people out there that that maybe are looking for a way to help what would you suggest to them jeff well i think getting that word out that efra was just saying you know to keep people um to keep people out of a sense of hopelessness and um, and fear, um, I think um, um, people just have to people have to be aware of you know where they can where they can call that that that's great. What can people do? Oh golly, you know everybody. Uh, I think it's to look out to the people that are right around you and see uh, you know see what you can do for the people that you're. Uh, that are struggling who are right in front of your face. I think okay. that's usually the best thing. All right, thanks. Aaron, last 30 seconds. Yep, um, a couple of things too. If any businesses are struggling, I just wanna toss out the restart grant from Indiana. Um, the deadline's December 1st. So you've got another few days to be able to get that in. The SBA loans are still available through December 31st. And then we have two local things with the Monroe County. We can get reimbursed for COVID expenses. And also the city of Bloomington's um, rapid response fund is still taking applications as well. So uh, look into those and then what to do to help Jeff's right. Look around where you are, you know, encourage other people around you um, and also shop locally this Christmas, these holiday seasons when you're trying to find something, uh, make the effort to go to one of our local businesses because they really do need uh, you to support them right now. All right. Thank you, Aaron Predmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce and also Efrat Pfefferman from Monroe County United Way and Jeff Meese from Lenny's, The Hive, Pizza X, and One World Enterprises. I want to thank uh, Sarah Whitmire, my co-host today, producer Benta Boutier. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program is available at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Production support comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.